0: Hello and welcome in to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex River BTN.com and this is the episode that aligns with the final week of the Big Ten basketball regular season. It's crazy to say, it's crazy to hear, but uh, it's here and we are touching on some Big Ten hoops in this episode before we head on to the postseason in New York City in the Big Ten tournament and March Madness beyond that. So, for this episode, I brought in a couple of guests. One guest who is new to the podcast and one recurring guest. The recurring guest is Harold Shelton. As you know if you've listened to uh, several episodes by now, Harold is our in-house researcher at BTN so he joined us for his regular Stat Head segment where this time of year with all the bracket talk and bubble watch and the Big Ten tournament scenarios that have yet to play out, Harold's the perfect guy to talk to because uh, you see his posts on btncom they always spike this time of year because everyone's interested in all those uh, potential outcomes. So, definitely good to talk to Harold once again. The new guest of the show is a guy I'm very familiar with. Uh, It's Verdell Jones, a former Indiana point guard for four years. He came in first year of the Tom Crean era, and his uh, career at Indiana kind of peaked when... He assisted on the one of the biggest shots in IU history, to Christian Watford, better known as the Watt Shot, when Indiana beat number one Kentucky, and kind of planted their flag back on the map several years back. So, had Verdell on the, on the podcast, um, we're actually from the same hometown, went to the same high school in Champaign, Illinois, so it was good to catch up with Verdell and talk some Indiana basketball, discuss his career, discuss that the arc of his career leading up to that big shot, the unfortunate injury he suffered leading into the NCAA tournament, his only NCAA tournament appearance in college that he was not able to participate in, and then just caught up with him and uh, discussed what he's up to now, talked a little current Hoosier hoops as well. So that interview comes first, and then the stat head segment with Harold Shelton is after that. Before we get to those, just wanted to issue some reminders. Um, First off, since Big Ten tournament is coming up, definitely want everyone out there to... Remember that Andy Katz has a podcast he's been putting out regularly during basketball season, so he's been getting great guests, and I believe we'll continue to do that through the Big Ten tournament at least. So his podcast is called the Big Ten Basketball Podcast, the B1G Basketball Podcast. Find it on iTunes and um, Google Play as well. So download that while you're also searching for the Take Ten Podcast if you haven't already. Take Ten Podcast can be found on iTunes. Also known as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean. So if you're listening on SoundCloud, definitely search those two podcasts and subscribe. Also, since the Big Ten Tournament is coming up, the next episode of the Take Ten Podcast will be a uh, a special one. We'll have a couple of New York East Coast-focused guests. Um, First one is Scooney Penn, who... Played for Ohio State for a couple of years, transferred from Boston College, and was actually born in New York. And he was the Big East Tournament MVP, I believe, in 1997 or 98. Either way, uh, he's got some great stories about Madison Square Garden since the Big Ten Tournament is going out there. He was great to talk to. And then former St. John's, UCLA head coach and Purdue assistant, current Fox Sports 1 commentator, Steve Lavin, joined the show as well. So those interviews will be coming next week ahead of the Big Ten Tournament. And Lavin obviously coached a ton of games in Madison Square Garden, as that was St. John's home arena and home to the Big East tournament as well. So be on the lookout for that next week. But right now we got this episode to get to, and it's a good one. So stay tuned. And before we get to those interviews, last reminder, I promise we have a coupon code for the btn.com online store. And you can take advantage of that coupon code, get 10% off any order in that online store by using the promo code TAKE10, that's capital T-A-K-E, the number one and zero. And do that before you check out and get 10% off your order on the btn.com online store, T-A-K-E, all caps, one zero. All right, so after that long-winded intro, let's get to our interview with former Indiana Hoosier, Verdell Jones III. I'm very pleased to be joined by former four-year Indiana guard, one of the biggest assists in school history to his name. You can follow him on Twitter at EJ3 underscore 217. Verdell Jones Third, V, thanks for joining me, man. How's it going?
1: Man, it's going real good, Alex. How's it going that way? Pretty
0: good. Uh, good to hear from you again. You came by this past summer to rewatch the the uh, – Big shot, or the Christian Watford shot on our Facebook live. So it's good to see you then. It's good to talk to you now. Um, has the uh, the aura of that shot worn off for you since uh, since that happened? Must have been what seven years ago now.
1: Oh uh, yeah, man. I mean, it, it, those are one of those memories that always stay with you, man. You know, it, it's definitely a uh, it was a very mem- memorable time um, while I was at Indiana and. And it's something that, you know, it's one of those plays that will go down in Indiana history, you know, for, for a while.
0: Absolutely. And we'll get more into that shot and kind of the circumstances surrounding it and the aftermath and all that in a little bit. But first, um, when I have guests on, I, I like to get into their backgrounds and, and kind of the past that led them to those moments and and those uh, special times in their lives. So first off, Verdell, obviously, I know your background a little bit closer than many do. Um growing up in the same hometown Champagne with you. So I remember when you mm-hmm. were when you were coming up, even in middle school, you hit a uh, a big shot that kinda got your name out in the national news earlier than most players. So tell me about that.
1: Oh yeah, man. Uh our eighth grade uh championship. Um I was I was going to school at the time at Champaign Franklin. Um we uh, It was a hard-fought fought game back and forth, and uh, it was a tie game. We go down. You know, unfortunately, a, a turnover happened. They they come down. We foul. They hit two free throws, go up with, go out two points uh, with two seconds left, and uh, they threw the ball in, and I, you know, threw up a prayer from three-quarters court, and it went in to win uh, this, the eighth-grade AA state championship, man, in Illinois, so – um, it was a it was that was another you know crazy memory that I was, I got to be a part of and got to got to be on a uh, sports seminar top plays and got to travel to um, good morning America and it was a it was a fun experience
0: yeah so when all that happened when you were kind of doing the national media rounds like did that sink in at all when you were doing that or were you just too young to, to even really appreciate it at the time
1: I mean I think I was just a you know, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid from Champaign that's happy to be traveling to New York and <laughs> being on the ESPN, man. So I don't think it really sunk in um, until later, you know, really really until, you know, you, you are an adult or as I am now retired and uh, I'm able to look back on some of those memories and really cherish them now.
0: Yeah, so when all that was going on, you know, like the hype wears off eventually. And so many of these shots, mm-hmm. I feel like, happen with these these kids and they're just normal high school kids they're middle school kids like you were like we just saw one up here in chicago a couple of weeks ago uh evanston kid hit a big shot but then a lot of these kids kind of fade back away uh into normal lives you became a uh, big time high school recruit you you went to champaign central and starred there but the hometown team illinois didn't really recruit you correct
1: yeah i mean uh you know, I was a big fan of Coach Southwest, Illinois and you know, Coach Weber Coach Webber came in and you know, I really wanted to to, to really to get away. You know, i you know, being in Champaign the majority of my life and and just, you know, being from here I feel it was better for me to as to to grow and mature as a person to, you know, get away a little bit, not too far away, but to get away and and you know, to start to start to find myself.
0: So you had an opportunity to go to Indiana University and
1: it was a yeah. school
0: at the time that was coming off, uh, you know, some of the worst days in program history. There were sanctions, uh, ensuing yeah. out of the Kelvin Sampson era. So when you were being recruited and when they were pitching you, where was the whole kind of process at, at the time with the uncertainty surrounding the school? Like, did you know what you were getting into?
1: Um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of speculation still. Coach had just got hired. He recruited me on Marquette, um, you know, wasn't it wasn't too crazy about going to Marquette. Um, so when he went to Indiana, I was able to take a visit there, and you know, instantly fell in love with it. Uh, for people who are who are fellow Hoosiers, I unknowingly took my visit on Little Five Weekend. So there, there you go. It was a it was a, they, you know it was it, that sold the deal almost. But uh, it was you know it was a it was a, I, I never uh, you know. So, I, you know, growing up that I would be – now I would be a Hoosier. You know, all the, you know, Illinois fan. obviously, D. Brown, guys like that are very close to me still. Um, but when I took that visit, it just made sense and I fell in love.
0: Yeah, the Little Five weekend is, is known, obviously, for a great time on in Indiana's campus. I can see why that would uh, – exactly. that would be the, the cherry on top. To exactly. there. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, why, and, why, and so when I was there um, – you know Jordan Crawford. A lot of the players who were from the previous year had didn't leave yet. Had not had not been released or anything like that. So, you know, I had when I committed my, my commitment. I had you know a lot of expectations to come in, and as many other schools uh, were, were saying, to maybe red shirt. Because I mean, as you know, I was you know a buck sixty five, buck seventy, you know, coming into high school, coming into college, and you know for the Big Ten, that's a that's a, that's a whole different a whole different ball game. So. Uh, but when a lot of those a lot of those players started, after I committed and sign, a lot of those players started leaving, and I will never forget my first day on campus for summer school, Jordan Crawford had just uh, left and went to Xavier. And so the, the the group that I had originally, you know, committed to come to and to play with, all of them were gone besides uh, Kyle Tabor and then uh, Brett Ticomara.
0: Yeah, so like you said, normal – situation you might have redshirted because just to get your body physically ready but since exactly since coach Crean needed bodies at the time you know that wasn't really an option so when did you realize yeah. that um it was going to be a difficult road and, and what was maybe awaiting you guys you guys went six and 25 finished last yeah. in the big 10 in your first season when did it kind of hit you that this was the type of project you were taking on
1: there well, the thing is, when we all got there, it was such a whole new regime of players. You know, we had a lot of freshmen. We had, you know, Juke go guards who transferred in. So no one really taught us what to expect in the Big Ten or what to expect in Indiana as far as the culture and as far as basketball, you know what I mean? Some of the freshmen that were there were from Indiana, but, you know, they didn't play college basketball yet either. So uh, I think our first, <laughs> our first eye-opening experience is uh, – we had two we had two games, um, and then we went to the Maui Invitational and, and down in Hawaii, you know, the big ESPN tournament. And our first game was against Notre Dame, I believe, and they put it on us. <laughs> you know what I mean? They had, you know, I think they had Luke Herringote and a lot of, you know, big-time college basketball players, and we were all just, you know, young freshmen, 18 year, years old on a national stage. So that was a great way to, you know, for uh, us to be introduced into the big leagues.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about Coach Crean uh, going forward. But I just want to start off bringing him up by asking, like, how was he handling all this adversity? Because since he was let go by Indiana, um, a lot of people have praised his reaction to adversity and, and his personality. So, how is he handling this season in the locker room?
1: Um, you know, it was it was tough. He he really kept us motivated. You know, what I mean, he kept us um, on you know, focus on just getting better, you know. We knew that it was going to be a troubling a troubling year, you know. You know, we had, you know, a lot of freshmen, you know, we had walk-ons, we got to transfer in. We were, you know, we were just still trying to create our own identity. So, you know, we heard the outside, you know, rumbles and all that stuff, but he really kept it kept us motivated and kept the family first atmosphere.
0: Yeah, so at the same time, you know, it's it's a rough year, but there's a lot of opportunity for yourself. You were able to mm-hmm. – play a ton and contribute at a, at a high level by the time you were a sophomore you were a honorable mention all big 10 player coming into your own as as a contributor um do you think this would have happened at, at another school where you might have had a redshirt or might have had to play behind uh other other guards do you do you attribute some of your success to the kind of vacuum that was left um at indiana
1: definitely i think you know when you're forced to play, you have no other options but to learn and grow. You know what I mean? So being able to play against, you know, Michigan State's and Kaelin Lucas's and these top guards and Kentucky's and things like this as a freshman and being expected to, you know, to perform and produce for the team, uh, it definitely it, it jump-started my career in college and helped me grow a lot faster than, you know, I probably would have if I went somewhere else in registered shirted or anything like that um I do think if I red shirted or if I went somewhere else my body would probably be able to develop a little bit better but I mean I I tremendously appreciate the, the learning experience I got my first year
0: all right so you had 28 combined wins your first three years at, at IU obviously not a whole yeah. lot in the court positives to take away as a team but what are some of the positive experiences from those first few years that that kept you going what do you look back on and say like man I'm glad I experienced that
1: Man, it, I think it was a humbling experience, you know, first and foremost, you know, when you're a high schooler and you come out, you know, to do what we did, you know, champagne and, and stuff like that, to go to Indiana, it's, it was it was humbling, you know, it, it taught me to always get better, you always have to get better, because no one cared about what you used to do, right, so, you know, those experiences helped me, but more importantly than that, the kind of bond that I created with my teammates, you know, that that brotherhood. I mean, we had, you know, it was a it was frustrating a couple of years, few years there, but the bond that we created off the court, man, that's something that lasts a lot longer than basketball, so I appreciate that more than anything.
0: How about the community in Bloomington? Because, you know, it's tight-knit there. It's basketball mm-hmm. crazy. Did they understand and did they treat you guys well when, when all this was going on? Because, you know, they're, they're, every fan base is going to have people that are restless and people that might uh, act uncharacteristically, but Overall, did you feel that support from the community when you were there?
1: Oh, definitely, man. And that's something we always said, you know, Indiana fans, they're fanatics, but they won't let anyone else mess with their Indiana players, you know. it's it's. it's you can say what you want about, you know, what we were going through, but the Indiana fan base, man, they had, there was a couple of sour apples that, you know, were bad, but the majority of the fan base kept us, you know, positive, kept us going forward, and they understood the – you know the the mountains we had to climb to get back to get Indiana back to where it needed to be. You know, going from you know, no players, all freshmen, walk off and guys like that, then my senior year, be able to you know make a Sweet Sixteen run and and get players like Cody Zeller and and Victor Oladipo develop into what he to what he became. You know, just to be able to witness that my senior year, I think it was a kind of a treat, not to only our hard work but to the fans' dedication to us too.
0: Yeah, I wanted to uh, get yeah. to your senior year next because despite Crean being let go after nine seasons there, he did get that program rebuilt, and it, it followed the arc of kind of a traditional rebuild. You know, it was completely torn down in year one, showed some progress the yep. next couple of years, and then there's the breakthrough year in year four, which was your entire career. So the yep. breakthrough moment came in the non-conference. You guys were unranked, but you were starting off 8-0. and And number one, yep. Kentucky, Anthony Davis, and those boys come to town. Um, just entering that game, uh, and we've obviously already spoiled the ending. Everyone listening knows that. But entering that game, did you have real expectations of beating a team like that with Coach Cal and those guys?
1: You know what? I can honestly say I think we did. I That was the first time when we beat Kentucky where we we went in a mindset like, man, we should not lose this game. You know, we, we believed in what the, our game plan was. We believed in the players we had. And it was just a different feel that year, you know. I felt that some of them were always missing was a true center. You know, years before we had a, a, a Guy Marc-Michel who came from France but couldn't play because of NCAA things and stuff like that. So I felt we always had the right pieces. We just needed that one centerpiece to really bring us all together. And luckily we got the big the big Hansel. He came in and man jump started our jump started that season and going through the whole season you know I remember we lost a preseason game um, I think it was that year uh, to a Division two team but we never got rattled you know what I mean I think you know when the season started we had a whole different mindset we had an engaged mindset and and I really believe that we we went into that UK game with 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 high expectations.
0: So did you think before the season that that team could turn the corner or was it not until that? UK game that you knew that this thing had turned.
1: I think I think it started before that. I think it, we we played NC State on the road at NC State when they had a really a pretty good team, um, and we were seven zero at the time. You know we had beat a couple teams. You know, but NC State was kind of the, the first big name. You know, test of the season, and we went into you know to their arena and got the W. So uh, that gave us a lot of confidence going forward and. And then, uh, you know, the week leading up to Kentucky, man, we were we were in a gym ready. Like, I think everyone from the starters to the trainers, we had a whole different mindset.
0: All right. So, the lead-up to that game, it's a huge game. It's the chance for Indiana to kind of claim that they're back on national TV. You got Dick Vitale there. Um, huge stage at, at Assembly Hall. So, take me through the situation, the late-game situation uh, leading up to that last play. Like, what – how did that play develop? Was there a plan to look for Christian Watford trailing the play, or was that just something you, you felt off instinct?
1: Well, it was a play tr- originally to get the ball and get a pick around half court from Cody, and then we had two shooters on the right wing. You know, we had Jordy over there. I forgot who it was. I can't remember who else was over there. I don't know if it was Vic or somebody else. And um, in order to make a play. call the pick, make a play. Um, you got Christian trailing. Well, when I caught the ball, Cody was way higher than I expected, you know. So when I turned around, he was right there, and we kind of just made a play happen, you know. Um, Christian was trailing, Cody was coming, we had guys spotted up. So um, the play just kind of fell into place, you know. It, it was it, it was meant to happen. It was meant for that game to happen and, and for that to be, you know, kind of a turning point back towards uh, IU dominance.
0: So what do you remember about – like, the immediate aftermath of that ball going through the net and that arena exploding like that.
1: I mean, I remember the pass to to Christian and the shot going up felt like an eternity, right? I passed it, for, you know, it passed it to him and it went to the net, and I just looked at him and kind of in shock while running towards him, kind of just, you know, still in awe of what just happened. And then, like, it's like all the noise and all the emotions came in rushing in at once, and... uh you know, and the rest was history, man. That was a that was a fun night.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you had a whole season ahead of you, pretty much still. But I want to hear about the you know first 12 to 24 hours after that shot went down because campus had to be crazy, all that. So oh. give me give me some give me some podcast safe PG 13 uh, <laughs> <laughs> ideas of of what that was like.
1: Well, I mean, first when everyone rushed to court like that. It was it was. It was kind of nerve-wracking, but also kind of enjoyable, too, because we had actually all jumped on Christian and fell down, and people were rushing up, trying to jump on the pile, you know, and so we were making sure that Christian and, and and uh, I think it was Darius Miller for Kentucky, making sure they didn't get trampled by, you know, by all the fans and stuff, but, you know, after that, after everyone was safe, man, it was just a celebration, you know, we got to, the campus was going crazy, I remember, you know, going to Friday with my parents afterwards, and. You know, fans coming up to us it's happy, ecstatic, and you could just feel the shift of energy and momentum in the air you know in bloomington that you know even though there was the beginning of the season, we knew that this season was gonna be a lot different than the previous three years,
0: and there's nothing like that at on a college campus like after a big win, oh, man.
1: nothing uh, at all and then we did, and then we had and then we our next game wasn't just the following Saturday, um so we had a whole week kind of to you know, not enjoy it. Well, the campus had a whole week to enjoy it. We were back at practice on Sunday. <laughs> but the whole, you know, it, it was a it was an enjoyable experience, man. Uh, you know, campus was going nuts for the whole weekend. You know, class was fun to go to. You know, it was just, like I said, it was a lot different. It was a, it was a big difference of uh, momentum and of energy than it was the previous three years. And uh, it really made the rest of the year very exciting. Alright, so that's kind of your penultimate
0: moment as a senior, you know. but there's still work to be done. You, you guys have a tournament berth in sight, and just before you guys make the NCAA tournament, you're playing in the Big Ten tournament, and you suffer a serious injury you go down with a torn ACL, which ends your Indiana career. So, how did you balance that unfortunate outcome with the great season you had up to that point?
1: Uh, I mean, honestly, that was one of the toughest moments. You know, I, I can't I can't even front. Uh, that was that was a gut wrenching uh, moment right there. You know, we had just beaten Purdue uh, at home. We had beat Michigan State. We had beat. You know, we were on a we were back. We had went on a little drought in the middle of the season. We lost a few games, but we had got our momentum back and we were going. You know, full head of steam going to the tournament. Um, we were excited to make a big run in the Big Ten tournament. You know, and when that play happened, and my and, and I that caused my uh, the tear of my ACL, man, I, it seemed like time to stop for a little bit, you know. But uh, luckily, you know, I was in I was in great hands with doctors and my teammates, man. They really kept me kept my spirits up, and Coach Green did a great job of you know keeping me involved and everything. That's just, just really trying to keep my mind off of the ACL injury, you know. For me to have to been gone through those three years when I had opportunities to transfer and things like that, and and going through those down years, and for the, for it to be my senior year, and for it to finally be a breakthrough, man, I was excited to be able to experience the tournament and see what we could do, because I really, I liked our odds, you know, going into the tournament. I really did. I thought we had a great opportunity with the momentum going forward, but that kind of took all the wind out of my, out of my personal sails, but... I still think we had a great shot and, uh, you know, unfortunately we fell short of our ultimate goal, but yeah, I don't see that season as a failure at all in my eyes, from my personal, my personal uh, standpoint. So do you
0: think this day, do you ever look back and think, what if, you know, not only with the IU season, but with, with your, uh, personal like career, how it turned out, cause that's a long recovery coming out at a crucial time in your basketball development.
1: Definitely. It was, it was definitely a rough one. Um, you know, and and I and you, do, you do ask you do ask why sometimes you know you wonder why certain things happen, but you know as I've grown and matured um, to where I am now, I've, I look back and understand now that 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 happened for a reason. It was for a learning experience for me. It was to test me, and you know, and it, it helped me be a better person going forward.
0: All right. So after Indiana, you bounced around uh, some teams overseas, and you had to, uh e-league or g-league experience as well so Mm -hmm. when i talk to players about their career in uh, those basketball circles i always like to hear some interesting stories that come out of those experiences because there's always something like there's a check that didn't cash or there's some crazy fan experiences i know you were over in japan for a while so if you can think of them on the spot give me a, a experience or story or two that sticks with you from those basketball adventures
1: Man, I mean, there's, just, just, no, honest, Alex, Alex, there's too many that it's ever, uh, to quote. You know, but, uh, I mean, I, I definitely understood that it was a different arena I was walking into when I first went to Greece. So, Greece had just been hit by the, you know, the, the economic collapse, uh, so they were struggling. So, you know, on paper, the contract looked beautiful. It looked, you know, very enticing. I was going to be in Athens, Greece, I was going to have my own car, you know, all these things and that. And, but when you get there, you know, and, and you ask for your your money, and it's like, oh, we'll get to you next week, and it's a month later, you're not getting paid. You know, those are the kind of the stories that a lot of people in America or people who are just ignorant to the overseas lifestyle just don't understand. You know, they think, are you over there vacationing? No, we're over there. You know, two a day practices. You know, you only get one one off day, maybe. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you're not you're not traveling the same way you were at Indiana, where you have nice buses or you're not or uh, first class flights. Like, it's a whole different lifestyle, man. So, um, it was it was a, it was a rewarding, but it was also a different experience for sure. Because at the same time. I was able to be able to travel the world and not just there's a difference between visiting countries for a couple of weeks and actually living in those places, man. So when I gotta live in France, I gotta live in Japan, I gotta you know, really immerse myself in these different cultures, man. So that's an experience that I would never you know, I'd never uh regret.
0: So give me your least favorite stop or your least favorite team that you played on and then your most favorite.
1: My favorite team to play on. Um, I think my favorite team to play on, I, when I went to Japan my first year, um, I was with a team, uh, out of a city called Oida It's in South Japan, and, you know, we were right there on the water. It was beautiful. We had a cool coach. We we, we played really good, um, and it was great American's band, and great food, great weather. Like, it was just, oh, it was a great time. My least favorite experience was probably this past year, and, uh, when I was, I was playing in France. On a team called Orleans, Um, and uh, it was just—it just wasn't a—it was this wasn't a fun experience, man. You know, it was very—you got to really see a lot of the negatives in basketball overseas with that experience, man. And it it kind of pushed me to, you know, to the direction I'm going towards now. You know what I mean? Just—it's not something I want to continue to do for a long for for a long. It wasn't a long-term option for me, you know what I mean? Right. It just wasn't something I wanted to do, you know, 10 years down the, down the line. You know, the NBA, I'm in a different story. But overseas hoop, man, it's just not is not as uh, intriguing as some people may make it seem. How
0: about the, the G League? What was that like? Because you had some success on the Santa Cruz Warriors, which is the, the affiliate of the Golden State Warriors. Um, what was that whole experience like? And, and why do you think you had so much success there?
1: You know what? I take back what I said. That was my favorite experience. All right, there we go. That was by far my favorite experience, man, because in a D-League, you're playing with so many other players who have played at different levels and who understand another game. They're just trying to make that jump from, you know, that level where we're at to the top level, obviously, in the NBA. So being able to play and be able to learn from coaches and and other players who are older and being around longer, man. It was it was really a rewarding experience and it just helped me. I feel advance my knowledge and my skill for the game a, lot, a whole lot further than it had you know overseas, man. So I think the the D league is some, is another reason why it kind of it kind of forced me to you know want to retire because it's hard to be able to, it's hard to play with guys like that where it's so fun and enjoyable and then go to a certain country or to a certain league where you know it's a whole lot different you know the whole different side of a coin so um the d league man it was it was it was it was a great experience and uh you know people if guys you know coming out their first couple of years are really trying to you know better their resume i highly suggest the, the, the d league it's, it's a great learning experience for you like how do
0: they treat the the players like what are the amenities like is it Comparable to college basketball, like with the travel and the accommodations and, and all that, is it is it decent or is it um kind of lower tier?
1: Well, luckily for me, man, uh from what I've heard, I was only there for one year, but the, the Santa Cruz Warriors was the is the is one of the top teams that you guess you want to go to as far as the experiences, you know. So we were able to fly, we you know, we pretty much flew everywhere, um to all of our games, to all of our, you know, destinations. Um, you know, you get you're getting paid. You know, you're getting paid money instead of, you know, the college or the, t- the universities providing meals. So, you know, luckily we live right across the street from Santa Cruz uh, boardwalk. <laughs> so it's hard it's hard not to enjoy your experience too much when you have views like that every morning.
0: So it's like that's the uh, that's the big league money trickling down. That's that success of the Golden State and those boys. You know, kind of paying exactly. off for you guys down there. All right,
1: so exactly.
0: So what led to your decision then to uh, step away from the game, and what are you up to these days?
1: Well, man, I just, you know, I say, I you know, not just my experience, but it's talking to multiple teammates, talking to multiple, you know, there's guys I've played against and with over the years, man. You just And when you just sit back and look, you just see that there is, you know, there is – Guys coming in every year with hopes and dreams for this, to, for basketball to be their money maker, for them to you know change their lives, but an injury here or there might cut them short, right? So I felt my you know my calling was to help players play as long as they can. You know, our bodies are as our money makers, and the only way we will continue to make money is if we continue to perform at an optimal level. And the only way we'd be playing at an optimal level is if our body is healthy. You know, you can't you can't jump as high as you can with a neck in, injury. You know, you can't you can't run as fast as you can when you have constant cramps, right? So I really focused on a company based out of Champagne, um, called Solvent Inc. and they have three supplement brands I think Is and I have uh started to see I saw how great it was for the health industry that they, they were doing, but I could see even more what it could do for the sports industry. So my focus now, man, is for is for me to reach out to whether it's NBA, NFL, UFC, you know, this pro athletes and making sure that their bodies, giving them the right supplements and the right nutrition for their bodies to be at its best for as long as possible.
0: All right. Verdell Jones, the entrepreneur. I like the, the sound of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, also, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about your brother, your little bro, um, known him forever, 30. Clayton Jones, is currently on the Illinois basketball team, unfortunately, yes. sitting out this season uh, with a preseason injury, so with him being yeah. out back on Illinois, you know, things kind of come in full circle. I never thought he'd be on Illinois after you played on Indiana, but here we are. <laughs> uh, is that, Has that turned you back into an Illinois fan at all, or you still got to keep those... Uh, cream and crimson
1: oh, no. is strong yeah i'm a hoosier for life man but you know that's my blood man so I'll, def- I'll definitely support him and you know i've gotten to you know hang out with a lot of those guys you know trent frazier Laron black a lot of those players man and so those was like my little brothers too you know so there's no hard feelings you know but i'm always gonna be a hoosier for life
0: what do you think about coach underwood
1: i like him i do i think he's gonna be a good fit there i think you know he has once he get you know his personnel in there and continues to to grow. Uh, I think I think Illinois is going to be a good fit. I think that's going to be good a good a good max, a match.
0: All right. So final question V before I let you go. Since we're talking first year coaches, I've got to ask you about Archie Miller at Indiana. Um, what do you think of the job he's done so far? I, I think they've had a solid season all things considered. I know there's been some inconsistent play. But we've seen the development of Jawan Morgan, and, and we've seen some mm-hmm. nice wins, even though there have been some head-scratching losses. What are, what are your overall impressions of this season and going forward under Archie?
1: I, I'm actually ecstatic about the future of Indiana with, under Archie. Um, you know, even though I'm a cream, a cream guy, I think Archie's going to do a tremendous job, man. I think a lot of those losses at the beginning of the year were just as natural, you know, with the change of, reg, of regimes um, and, and and coaches – you know, sometimes you you'll have those you'll have some players who might not buy into it or might not understand exactly what Coach Miller wants. So, but I think that they're in the right direction. They're playing good. You know, and I, Jawan Morgan has really stood out to me. Um, I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a he's an NBA player in my eyes. He has a opportunity to do big things, and he has really become a leader for that team and and helped you know along with Robert Johnson guys like that helped them you know gain some momentum going forward, so I hope what's the best, and then, uh, I'm definitely cheering them on every every game.
0: Alright, I, I got one more question, kind of in that same um, vein. Um, you're an Indiana fan now, that you're away from the game, and Indiana fans I feel like kind of get knocked sometimes because some people will say they have uh, expectations that exceed reality. I want to know, yeah. like, I don't necessarily agree with that, you know, I don't think anyone should be told how to fan, but I wanna know what you think uh appropriate expectations for Indiana basketball are big picture. Um like it can be the highest ceiling, you know, hanging banners or making the tournament every year. I just wanna know what, what you as a former player and now fan expect uh zoomed out, a zoomed out level of IU basketball.
1: IU is one of the I've been, I've, I've been, the, I've seen, I've been on UCLA's campus, I've been to Dukes, I've been in things like that, I've been to Kentucky, IU is a blue blood for a reason, it's because of the way they view basketball, where basketball is king there, you know what I mean, so, uh, as a fan, as a player, you know, our goal is to, is to hang up number six, and, and that's not going to happen, you know, and, and we won't be happy until that happens, you know, or we won't be content until that happens, you know, we'll have great seasons, we'll have great players come through, but, you know. We're ready for that number that banner number six, man. We're ready to hang it up and, and put our name back up in the in the you know, in the rafters with uh, the likes of Dukes and North Carolina and things like that.
0: All right. Well said Verdell, I uh, appreciate you coming on, appreciate the conversation as always. Best of luck in your endeavors and uh I'm sure I'll see you soon.
1: Man, as always, Alex, I appreciate the call man and uh best of luck with you in the beach of nowhere. All
0: right, thanks, Pete. All right, thanks as always to V for the time. was uh, a good dude, and I always enjoy catching up with, with Verdell. And, um, you know, it was a cool thing that he did to stick it out at in Indiana, work hard, and, and cap his career with a moment that Indiana fans will remember forever. And, and I still remember where I was when I watched that uh, assist to Christian Watford to this day. All right, we'll move on from Verdell, and we'll get to Harold Shelton, our in-house stat head for our stat head segment. And we talked some Big Ten title race scenarios, which are still have to play out with the, the weekend coming up here, some Big Ten tournament scenarios, which will come in clear focus these next few days, and then some March Madness as well. So keep it locked for our 10-minute or so discussion with Harold Shelton, which begins right now. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined once again in the BTN studio in Chicago by in-house stat head Harold Shelton we're getting to the end of the season.
2: How are you feeling? Feeling good. It's uh, you know adrenaline's kind of taking over, but it's crazy with all the scenarios that are happening. And uh, I will say things have gotten a little easier. It could be a lot worse. Like if Minnesota would have beaten Wisconsin, my life would have been a lot harder. Uh, but all in all, things are good. Ready to get done with the season. Yeah, though. I was gonna say this is when this is when you shine because every
0: morning you're sending out all the possible scenarios for Big Ten tournament seating. What those mean going into March Madness, and it's the stuff that everyone really looks for this time of year because there's so many different ways these type of things could play out. So let's dive into it a little bit here. And first off, before we even talk about the Big Ten tournament, let's talk about the Big Ten title race and uh, some of the scenarios that could play out as we move into the final weekend of the regular season. So you're a Spartan guy. Your Spartans wrapped up a share of the Big Ten title on Tuesday night with a double-digit 20-point win over Illinois. They were able to celebrate at home on senior night. That was kind of a nice cap to it's been a difficult season at times for some of those players on that team. Um, so they got to share of the title. What else could play out here as far as who else is in position for a Big Ten title, and how does Michigan State potentially win it outright if, if they don't have to share?
2: Uh, so... Yeah, it's their first title since twenty twelve, which seem which seems crazy, but it's true. That's poor um, fans. Only since twenty twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but sh- normally you see Michigan stay near the top, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump until this year. Uh, they can win it all right for the first time since oh nine, but in order to do that, they neither they either need to win at Wisconsin on Sunday, or Indiana could do them a favor and beat. Uh, Ohio State on Friday that could certainly help but Purdue still has a chance to get a share as well if they win their two games uh, and Michigan State loses so even though the Spartans have a share there's still a lot of games to be played Purdue's got a relatively comfortable schedule so they'll be rooting for Wisconsin as well. Be honest do you see Wisconsin- Pulling out a win against
0: Michigan State, or do you think Sparty's got this wrapped up?
2: Uh, if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have felt extremely confident going into that game. But after seeing Michigan State trail by twenty seven on the road yeah. in their last game and see Wisconsin upset Purdue, I mean, senior day, you never know. Yeah, Wisconsin's uh looks a lot better of late, I think. Yeah.
0: They're kinda you know, they're kinda finding themselves a little bit after all those injuries. Um, all right, so talk a little bit about the Big Ten title race. Those three teams still have a chance. Or two teams that have a chance to catch Michigan State. How about uh, some Big Ten tournament scenarios? So, the bottom four are set we know who's playing Wednesday. Um, are there any scenarios that could determine a team's path that are still like really up in the air right now? Like, are there any favorable matchups? What are you looking for right now as you're kind of breaking down all these scenarios heading into next week's Big Ten tournament?
2: Yeah, so right now, I mean, we know that Ohio State and Michigan State are the top two seeds. Uh, we just don't know the order yet. Uh, we know Purdue, even though they can get a share of the title, uh, you know, it's with, they get some help from Wisconsin. They can't be the one. We know Nebraska and Michigan are fighting for that last double bye. Uh, Nebraska kind of controls that. As long as they win, they'll get it. If they lose and Michigan beats Maryland, then it'll go to the Wolverines With and who knows? If that happens, then they could possibly play each other in a four or five game on Friday. Uh, Penn State and Indiana are fighting for six and seven. That's pretty much set. Uh, Maryland's the only team right now out of the 14 that knows their actual seed. Like they're locked into the eight. Okay. Everybody else is either kind of one or the other. Uh, Illinois has actually got the widest range. They could be anywhere from 11 to 14, uh, but we know they're playing on Wednesday.
0: I hate that uh, Thursday eight nine game. Yeah. It's the worst. It's like noon, right? Yep. It's a noon game. It's the first game of the day. First game of the day. You're still not in very good shape because even if you like win that, you still got three more to go. Like right. I think I just hate it. as a fan. I would hate my team being in the eight nine game. But hey, I was gonna. I'm glad you brought Maryland up because I was gonna ask about them as we get into our bubble discussion here because a lot of the focus has been on Nebraska and Penn State is the two kind of bubble teams with a, that kind of picked up their play down the stretch and have a chance to get in. But you brought it up before we sat down here, and you mentioned that Maryland's not that far off from Nebraska and Penn State, especially considering the metrics that the committee looks at, which is RPI. So what's Maryland's positioning looking like heading into uh, their final
2: game and then the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, I mean, when you look at Maryland, you just have to realize that all conference records are not created equal. So you look at Nebraska and you see they're twelve and five, and you see that Maryland's eight and nine, and you see Penn State's, you know, right around five hundred as well. But you have to realize that Maryland played Michigan State twice; they played Michigan twice. Right. Like Nebraska only got to play them once. You know, the imbalanced schedules really did not work out in Maryland's favor. So if you look, you see Maryland is just one spot different than Nebraska. I think Nebraska is 59 and Maryland 60. Penn State's all the way down to 83 after their loss to Michigan. The problem for the Terps is that they're 0 and 9 in quad one games. Right. So a win against Michigan
0: coming up Saturday
2: that would give the world
0: one. a good. Like maybe that that can put them in. Decent, decent position
2: there. Agreed. It's just kind of funny. We You know, for the last week or two, it's been all about Nebraska and all about Penn State. But Maryland's computer numbers, at least, are right there with those two. And in, in the case of Penn State, it's better. So if they have – if they could beat Michigan, that would certainly help. Them being the eighth seed, they'd have a chance to face the one, which would be another quality – you know, a quad one. Um, I mean, at this point – I think Nebraska, Penn State, Maryland all have major work to do in New York, but I think the Terps should at least be in that bubble discussion with the other two.
0: And obviously the winner, since Nebraska and Penn State play Sunday in both of their regular season finales, the winner of that game is probably in much better shape with a little bit less work to do in New York City, right? Agreed. Okay, so moving on from bubble talk, we'll get back to some Big Ten tournament talk. As we get out to New York City, just with the way you see teams are playing right now, across the uh, big Ten you know how that that tournament plays out and even though I'm bemoaning that eight nine game you know in on the Thursday that's what Michigan played in last year and they made a run through the whole tournament and they they pulled it off so Michigan knows how to uh, what, what it takes to get it done so they're and they're playing very good basketball right now what's a team that you think just with the way they're playing right now and the way they're currently built is most likely to
2: rattle off three or four wins in in New York and win the whole thing? I mean, outside of the the usual suspects, I think you got to go with the defending champ, Michigan. I mean, we've seen John Beeline do this before. He's beaten the one seed each of the last two years. He beat Purdue in the quarters. He beat Indiana in the quarters before that. Uh, He's never lost his first game in the Big Ten tournament. Like They've won at least one one game every year he's been there. So they're wow, always in the mix. Yeah, that's impressive. Like, they're always in the mix. I mean, he's a proven tournament coach. And the way that they're set up, they don't rely on just one guy. Some days it could be Mo Wagner. Some days it's Charles Matthews. Jordan Pool is coming on. Some days it's Jordan Poole. They get contributions from Livers, Abdul Rahman. They got seniors. They're a dangerous team, and they play a weird style, you know, where – to bring the the center out and if you don't have a mobile big man like that's a huge problem as we've seen with michigan state who hadn't been able to guard them. purdue has trouble guarding them, so in the right matchups i mean michigan i wouldn't be shocked i'd be a little surprised but i wouldn't be shocked if michigan repeated
0: all right so expanding on that you know michigan obviously beeline has them built for runs of of three or four games in as many days and that's what they'll have to do coming up. But how about six games in three weekends as the NCAA tournament is set up? Which Big Ten team do you think is best built for that type of run? When you know you have a little more time to scout and prepare for your, for opponents, and you know, in the case of like Michigan State, you know, someone like Tom Izzo has, has been there, done
2: that. Yeah, you're going to take the words right out of my mouth there. I would go Michigan State there. Um, I think. Ohio State is a team that's just kind of the the sum is greater than the parts, and I don't know how far that gets you mm-hmm. in March. Usually, the most talented teams are the ones that cut down the nets. I'd say Michigan State's probably the top four, top five, talented, most talented team in the country. They've got a proven coach. They've got a point guard who know who who, who knows what to do in certain situations. He's come up clutch repeatedly in Cassius Winston. Uh, they've got pros in Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson. So if you were to ask me a Big Ten team that has the best chance of making a run, I would say the Spartans. All right. Mark it down. Book it. Non-biased opinion from
0: Harold Shelton. You know, I know you, you're a professional. Even though you're a Spartan guy, that's a, uh, that's a level-headed, objective take. So Appreciate put that. it in stone uh, for Michigan State. All right. Last question. You know, we're going to be out in New York City here in a couple days. You were at uh, ESPN for a number of years, so you know that East Coast scene. What's going to be going on out there? What are we going to be up to? What are we getting into these, this next week?
2: Uh, fill me in here. I, you know, a lot depends on the weather. You know, if we get the D.C. weather that we had last year, it would be a lot of walking around. That was wild because, like, it was it was like 60s, and
0: then, then the end snow. of the week, then
2: all of a sudden <laughs> the snowstorm came in, So hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, I saw it was supposed to be, like, kind of mid-40s most of the way, so – should be good times. So, you know, New York you can always find something to do at any any hour of the day or night. So there's gonna be some late nights, those Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah, long and days. if I'm not ready to uh turn in yet, <laughs> I might have a you know, cocktail or two late at night. All right. Well, we can't complain about the long days. It's it's uh
0: what we live for, you know, these, these weeks. So Absolutely. I'm excited to get out there with you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Any fans that'll be out there, I said this going into indie to, to if they see me and H come up to us. If we're together, uh, I'm, I'm the dorky white dude, so don't hesitate <laughs> to, to say what's up. But H, uh, AH, it's been a lot of fun this basketball season. Maybe we'll uh, do this again heading into March Madness. Maybe we'll talk in New York. Who knows? But it's been fun, and uh, appreciate your
2: time as always. Oh, yeah, no problem. Always a good time being on. All
0: right, thanks as always to... My guests, Verdell Jones and Harold Shelton, for joining me. Uh, It was a lot of fun talking to those guys, um, and it's been a lot of fun this Big Ten basketball season, which is just about in the books. Looking forward to the postseason. Looking forward to bringing you guys some good content from NYC coming up here next week, including that episode with Scooney Penn and Steve Lavin, so be on the lookout for that, and all the other good content that we'll be pushing out on social media, b10.com, and hopefully we'll get some podcast guests. we got a couple uh, couple irons in the fire right now. Nothing for sure confirmed, but I should be able to get something for you guys in New York that uh, you'll enjoy. And uh, hoping to make it happen once I get out there next week. So thanks as always to everyone for listening. Thanks once again to West White for producing the show. And we will talk to you next week here on the Take 10 Podcast.